Hello, this is Mark Peacock, and welcome to the Travel Commons Podcast. This is Travel Commons Podcast number 191, recorded Saturday, December 24th, 2022. This is the podcast giving the voice of the traveler. It's more about the journey than the destination. One topic on this edition of the Travel Commons Podcast, notes on Croatia and Italy. So coming to you from the Travel Commons studios in Nashville, Tennessee, at the tail end of the bomb cyclone that blew up a huge number of Christmas holiday plans for a huge number of families, including ours. Our daughter Claire beat the bomb by flying down at the beginning of the week out of LaGuardia. Thank you, hybrid working arrangements. Our son and his wife were going to head down from Chicago on Thursday, but near whiteout blizzard conditions canceled that. So now we're recalibrating the size of Christmas dinner portions and figuring out how to get presents to the right places. While our usual not-traveling-at-Christmas rule served us well, given all this, we did hit the road earlier for some Thanksgiving triangulation travel from Nashville to Annapolis, Maryland, for a week to celebrate Thanksgiving with some friends, then from there to Chicago for another week to visit family, and then finally back home. The drive out to Annapolis was the best. We swerved the holiday traffic by driving out Monday instead of waiting the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and leaving actually a little bit later in the morning so that we could miss the agony that is Washington, D.C. rush hour. It was certainly the most scenic of the three drives, skirting the Great Smoky Mountains and then up the Blue Ridge Mountains. It reminded me of my drives to and from college between Memphis and Washington, D.C., though it was a whole lot more enjoyable this time, not having to worry if my 72 Buick Electra was going to overheat hauling itself up over the mountains. The drive to Chicago was the most boring. It always is. A 12-hour drive, with most of it being through the extended flatlands of the Ohio and Indiana turnpikes. It would have put me right to sleep if I hadn't figured out how to stream the BBC Radio's World Cup play-by-play from my phone through the BMW speakers. What would have been worse, though, is if I had tried to do that drive in an electric vehicle, an EV. California will ban the sale of new gas cars in 12 years, and New York and other states are looking to follow suit, so I wanted to see what my driving future will look like. Now, Cox Automotive says the Tesla Model Y was the best-selling EV through Q3 of this year, the end of September. So I hit the Tesla Trip Planner website to see what my trip would look like if I'd swap my BMW X3 for a Tesla Model Y long range. The trip would have been almost two and a half hours longer due to the four supercharger stops I'd need. Two 45-minute charges in Pennsylvania and Ohio, and then two 25-minute charges in Indiana a bit longer than the couple of 20-minute restroom gas-up pit stops we made on the turnpike. The first stop in Pennsylvania and the last one in Indiana would be turnpike rest stops. The other two would require leaving the turnpike, winding through the ticket booths to find the chargers. And actually, I'm not sure which is worse, 
hanging out for 45 minutes at the North Somerset Pennsylvania Turnpike rest stop Rory Rogers or leaving the Ohio Turnpike to find my way to Strongsville, Ohio, plug into the supercharger behind the Sheets convenience store and then walk over to the Applebee's knockoff to kill the 45-minute charge time with a Bud Light and some chicken tenders nachos. I got to tell you, In the next 12 years, they've either got to cut that charge time in half or significantly improve the food and beer options at those superchargers. So following up, the last half of our Chicago visit, we stayed downtown at the Hyatt Regency, a big convention hotel right on Wacker Drive that in pre-COVID times always had all sorts of sort of mid-sized business conventions, things like the Midwest Dell Computer Users Group meeting, the IAAO, the International Association of Assessing Officers National Convention. Now, I'm old enough to remember way back to 2020 when everything changed and this is the new normal meant that these sort of, I don't know, mid-level gatherings were past history, that in the new normal, we'd all meet over video or in the metaverse, which kind of spooked me because everybody seems to be cut off below the navel in the metaverse. And so through that all, we'd never be tempted to shake hands. So... I mean, we all know what that looked like. So when I walked into the lobby of the Hyatt Regency one morning to see signs welcoming ASTA, the American Seed Trade Association, and then the elevator doors wrapped in signs pitching BASF's Pancho Votivo seed treatment, it reminded me once again that reversion to the mean is a strong, almost irresistible force. I walked into the elevator with a guy wearing a vendor badge around his neck. Conference travel back, I asked him. (laughs) With a vengeance, he sighed. Business travel may still be a bit below 2019 levels, but it looks like it's clawing its way back. Now, last May, back in episode 187, I said, a quick public service announcement, the COVID Real ID extension expires in less than a year. Well, scratch that. The beginning of this month, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, kicked the Real ID deadline down the road again, two years this time, to May 7th, 2025. Good news for procrastinators everywhere. DHS said the extension was necessary because the pandemic has made getting a Real ID more difficult. Now, look, I got to tell you, I, I just don't buy it. Last year, December 2021, I had to go to a Chicago DMV site, not in the nicest neighborhood and not usually the best run DMV places. And I had to go there to get a new driver's license. So I made an appointment. I showed up on time, was in and out in 30, maybe 40 minutes. And that included the three extra minutes it took them to scan my social security card and the documents that I was using to prove my address. I mean, look, come on. It's been 17 years since the Real ID Act passed. It's a law no one thinks is needed anymore. Somebody just needs to man up in a completely gender-neutral way and cancel at least this act in the long-running post-9-11 security theater. Now, more travel documents, good news, (laughs) right before Thanksgiving, the U.S. State Department opened up a portal for online passport renewals on what they're calling a limited release, which 
I'm interpreting as government speak for a beta product, limited volume and possibly not the smoothest user experience, you know, user beware. But you got to give them credit for getting this far. I mean, I renewed my passport last February the old-fashioned way, finding a Walgreens that still takes passport photos, stapling them and a check to the renewal form. I'm hoping that in nine years' time, all the sharp edges will be buffed off this limited release and ready for prime time. I mean, look, I know it's the government, but, you know, a guy can dream, can he? Now, longtime listeners will know I've never been too proud to chase a trend in the service of search engine optimization and website hits. So I wrote a blog post last week on ChatGPT, the AI chatbot that was released right before Thanksgiving and that simultaneously thrilled and horrified people mostly thrilling students and mostly horrifying teachers and writers. I decided to give it a try, typing into the prompt box, write a blog post with the top holiday travel tips. One thing that was immediately obvious, ChatGPT is a lot faster than me. It cranked out 350 words and five travel tips in, I don't know, maybe a second or two. The tips, though, plan ahead, pack light, stay organized, be flexible, stay connected, you know, they weren't wrong, but they weren't all that insightful. They weren't anything that, I don't know, even the occasional traveler, somebody taking a couple of flights a year, wouldn't already know. So then I took the next step, which was to compare these tips generated by artificial intelligence to five tips generated by my 35 years and a few million miles travel experience. My tips, figure out if you want to fly or drive, fly nonstop, catch the early flight, carry on your luggage, and bring a battery pack. Look, you be the judge, but I think my tips are a bit more specific, a bit more actionable, and probably just good enough to keep me in this unpaid travel podcaster blogger gig. I don't know, at least until ChatGPT gets its next upgrade. In the travel tech stack topic in the last episode, I talked about travel apps that I use, and specifically TripIt, which I use to consolidate all the train, plane, hotel, and Airbnb confirmations into a single itinerary. You know, way back when, when we all had travel agents, a travel agent would do that. Now we have computers. The Monday before Thanksgiving, I started getting emails from TripIt. 50% off TripIt Pro, so 24 bucks instead of the usual 49 now, the first one was targeted at Thanksgiving flyers. Then came another 50% off email, but this time it was a Black Friday email. Then came the Cyber Monday pitch, again, 50% off. I got a message from Alan Marco, longtime Travel Commons listener. What do you think? He asked, do you use it? I quickly responded, nope, I haven't used Pro for many years. Don't see the value of the additional features. If I was going to pay for one, I'd go for flighty. I was able to respond at near chat GPT speed because the text was pretty much verbatim what I said about TripIt Pro in the travel tech segment. The next day, Alan messaged me back, just listen to the episode. You went through exactly what I was asking about TripIt. You know, TripIt ran that 50% off email campaign right through last week, so almost a month, which leads me to believe that there are a lot of other travelers who share my views about the value of pro. And hey, if you have any travel stories, comments, tips, rants, or a question like Alan or like Twitter follower at Abe Froman, 
look, I'm always a sucker for a Ferris Bueller reference, uh, whose question back in June led to last episode's travel tech stack topic. Send it along to comments, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at travelcommons.com, ping me at mpeacock on Twitter, or post a comment on the Travel Commons website for the quickest response. I'm probably a little slower responding to Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you don't want your name mentioned in the podcast, let me know. I know everybody's got different sensitivities about privacy nowadays. So the only topic on today's Travel Commons podcast is notes from Croatia and Italy. I mentioned at the start of the last episode that I had rummaged around Croatia and Italy for three weeks at the beginning of October, starting at Split Croatia and then running up the Italian peninsula, the Amalfi Coast, Naples, Rome, Florence. And when we talk to folks about this trip, most everybody is much more interested in our time in Split uh, than in Italy, which makes sense if you think about it. Lots of people interested in travel will have hit those Italy highlights. Rome, Florence, the Amalfi Coast, early on in their travels, but not so much Croatia, at least travelers in the U.S. But they've heard a lot about it, especially the Game of Thrones stands, which maybe has bumped it up on their list of places to visit, maybe high on the B list. And so the interest I was getting might have been, I don't know, some combination of a polite, how was your trip, with a dash of, hmm, any reason I should bump split onto my A list? I found myself summing up our split visit this way. Good times, good wine, good seafood, though I'm not sure I know anything more about Croatia having spent four days there. I felt like I was another one of those guys who hop a cheap Ryanair flight to some city like Budapest or Tallinn for a lads weekend, which actually was pretty close to what we did. But even when we ventured out of the old city, which is very cool and very pretty, and got out of that cruise passenger blast zone that would jam up those cool, pretty, but very narrow streets and alleys between, say, 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. every day, I still couldn't get a deeper feel for the place. We'd post up at some bar, but got a lot less conversation with the bartenders than I would, say, in Italy. I don't know. Maybe Croatians are more taciturn than Italians or the folks in Split just have to deal with so many tourists every day that they need a break and just want to chat with their fellow Croatians. I mean, either or both actually would be very reasonable explanations. Indeed, the closest I came was a non conversation in the main farmer's market on Saturday morning. I was walking up and down the rows of stalls, fresh vegetables, sundries, other random bits and bobs. And I noticed an older guy by himself in a small stall off to the side. Walking up, I could see he was selling smoked pork loin and some aged sheep's cheeses. He, He spoke no English. I obviously speak no Croatian. But with a bunch of gestures and finger measurements held up against the wheels of cheese, I managed to buy some of everything he had on offer. Now, I must have paid a good price because after we were done, after I paid him, he pulled out a plastic one-liter bottle and poured me a capful of what I figured was homemade uh, rikia, I think it's pronounced, a Croatian fruit brandy. It was good, very, very smooth, surprisingly smooth, and a great sort of... 11 a.m. eye-opener. 
After four days wandering around, Split seemed kind of a standard European seaside, large town, small city, fresh seafood, good wine. If if not cheap, then for a reasonable price. The only kind of wacky thing was the Croatian currency, the kuna. The exchange rate was about seven fifty to the dollar, which is an slightly awkward exchange rate to try and do in your head on the fly. But we didn't have to do it because. Everything was dual-priced in kuna and euro in preparation for their move next month, January 2023, to the euro. So you'd think, or at least I thought, that there would be some sort of parallel usage, parallel flow already of kunas and euros in the lead-up. But you and me would be wrong. There were signs everywhere, kuna only and then cash only, which meant a lot of hunting down ATMs and a last-minute spending spree in the split airport bar and duty-free shop. Just short of 70 years ago, John Steinbeck wrote an article about Positano, Italy for Harper's Bazaar magazine. Now, the most popular pull quote is, Positano bites deep. It's a dream place that isn't quite real. Then he goes on to say that Positano would never be overrun by tourists. It's too steep, there's no room for visitors, and the locals don't give a damn. Now, Steinbeck was right about it being steep, but he was dead wrong about the rest of it. The view from our balcony was beautiful when I looked up at the hills and out on the water, but when my eyes would drop a bit, I'd see this just constant stream of ferries docking and disgorging full loads of day-trippers. I waded into it one morning because I wanted to see the local church, and I got just stuck in this conga line of tourists walking one of the narrow streets, one single file of people walking up from the beach, another single file walking down, a young couple carrying a stroller up the sets of stone steps, the almost Three Stooges-like happening of people bumping into the back of each other when someone in their single file stopped to look at a shop and didn't step into the doorway. I mean, look, that was it for me. I, I was one and done. After that, I would just sit on our balcony with a local bottle of wine, kind of situated so that my eyes would not drop from the beautiful view. Now, I don't want to bang on about the crowds too much, but it was a major through line of this trip. Maybe the combination of the strong dollar, no COVID restrictions, no mask rules was all it took to uncork two years of pent-up travel demand. I mean, in Rome, I made the mistake of meeting someone at the Trevi Fountain and got trapped in a massive horde for 20 minutes. The Trastevere neighborhood where we stayed, the streets were thick with tourists during the day, but was a complete gridlock at night, with people overflowing out of the bars, into the plazas, drinking what must have been truckloads of Peronis. Having said this, I really liked Rome. I mean, before this, I was always a bit ambivalent about Rome. would always head to the north, to Tuscany, to Milan. But this trip, I don't know, maybe because we spent a prior week or so in smaller places, the big city energy of Rome was a pleasant and, you know, kind of an energizing change. People talk about Rome being chaotic. I don't know. I didn't think it was any more chaotic than any other big city. I don't know. Maybe because I wasn't driving. I was just walking or taking a cab or trying to kill Irene while driving a Vespa scooter. I mean, it could be that 
I don't know, with Rome, big city, just more place to spread out, to swerve the crowds. I found a walking and bike path sunk down below the street level. It was running along the banks of the Tiber River. I mean, there was fairly steady bike traffic, but I could walk freely, no dodging oncoming tourists. I made my way through the Testaccio neighborhood, definitely no tourist traffic here, and uh, got to a local market that was full, but it wasn't crowded. And again, no tourists. It was just local folks. I was able to get a table right away with my beer and my porchetta sandwich. But I picked up a verve in Rome, some combination of, you know, the energy and don't screw with me of a big city, but also, I don't know, something that was more welcoming, a bit warmer than I'd get in, say, Manhattan or London or Frankfurt or Paris. I don't know, maybe a bit more down to earth, something you get in the outer boroughs of New York and London, a sort of friendly confidence. I have to tell you, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. But not every crowd was bad. I mean, the last stop on our Italian tour was Florence. Now, while I'd never been to Rome before this trip, this was our fourth time in Florence. Irene and Claire wanted to shop for jewelry on Ponte Vecchio. Uh, to me, the thought of wading back into those crowds sent me in the complete opposite direction, toward the Basilica of Santa Croce. Now, walking down the road, I noticed more and more guys wearing the same soccer jerseys, and they were kind of funneling onto the road that I was on, some with plastic bags full of beer bottles. When the street ended at the uh, Piazza di Santa Croce, the big open plaza in front of the Basilica, now it made sense. I could see that it had been taken over by a huge crowd of Scottish soccer fans who'd followed their club, Hearts of Midlothian, from Edinburgh here to Florence to play the local team. They'd set up camp in the plaza, hung their club supporter flags and banners from plaza railings, building scaffolds, and pretty much anything else that had a vertical structure. And they were having a great time pregame in the match, drinking beer, banging drums, and most of all, singing songs. Now, at the other end of the plaza were about six cops standing in front of what looked like a paddy wagon. And as I rounded the corner of the basilica, a couple of Florence Metro cop cars joined them. They weren't doing anything. They were just hanging back, just in case. I left the drums and singing behind and wound my way up to a craft beer bar. Of course, it's me. I bought a beer and sat on the stool just outside the bar door, just in time to see a stream of heart supporters take over the street in front, which was, as I soon found out, the main path from their pre-gaming piazza to the stadium. I don't know. I have to say that with those guys being five, six hours in on drinking, I was a bit nervous about this crowd, but I didn't need be. They were loud, enthusiastic, maybe a bit bumptious, but never nasty or threatening. They were just there to have fun with their fellow supporters and watch the match, which one guy told me they fully expected to lose, and which they did, 5-1. Through it all, though, I was most impressed by the Florentine bar owner. Amid all the drunk Scotsmen singing and yelling and drinking, he was unflappable, serving beers, keeping glasses out of the streets, and occasionally taking group photos for him. He smiled and told me, the boys just want to have some fun. And they did. And they dragged me along with them. Not to the stadium, of course. I had other plans. I had plans to meet up with a big slab of beef, a bistecca alla Florentina. But they did drag me along to enjoy their crowd rather than fight it.
Okay, that's it. That's the end of Travel Commons podcast number 191. Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates it, and I hope you all have a great new year. Sorry I couldn't get this out earlier to give uh, any of you who got trapped in the airport this week something to listen to. But hey, look, now you got something to listen to during Christmas dinner cleanup. You can find us and listen to the current episodes on all the main podcast sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. You can always ask Alexa, Siri, or Google to play Travel Commons on your smart speakers. You can click the link in this episode's description in your podcast app to get to the show notes page at travelcommons.com. There you'll find a transcript of the episode and any links I've mentioned. If you're not subscribed, there's a drop-down subscribe menu at the top of that page. Along the right-hand side of the page, you'll find links to all the Travel Commons socials. And remember, if you've got a story, thought, comment, gripe, the voice of the traveler, send them along. Text or audio file to comments, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at travelcommons.com. And Peacock on Twitter, write them on the Travel Commons page on Facebook or Instagram, or post them on the website at travelcommons.com. Thanks to everyone who's taken time to send in emails, tweets, post comments on the website. I really do appreciate it. And for those of you who swerved the bomb cyclone and made it to your families, I hope you enjoy your time and that you have safe travels home. And as always, thanks for stopping by the Travel Commons. Bye now. Bye now.